welcome in to the Get Your Happy On Hour, featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. Hey, man, we we back. This is the Get Your Happy On Hour. I'm your host, Ricky C. Simmons, 93.7 The Ticket. I want to thank you guys, first of all, for taking time out of your busy day to be a part of this. I got a really great guest tonight, but before we get to him, I got to talk to you guys about something. This is some questions that was posed to me, one in particular. I always make these comments, and then I say, stay humble, happy as always. Well, I got challenged on that, so I want to clear the air right quick, and then we get on with the show. When you say, uh, when I be saying, stay humble, please, everyone, don't mistake that for being weak. Uh, being humble the reason why it's so important to me is because I feel like everyone has the right to be however they want to be, but I personally choose to be humble because I know who I am, and I don't need the validation of uh, anyone, actually, to make me feel good about myself. You know, I, I joke a lot. I like a lot of humor, but a lot of times I'm not playing when I say things. And one of the things I uh, I joke about is I tell people I have a disease. And they laugh, like, and then they catch themselves. Oh, man, are you going to be okay? I'm like, oh, yeah, it's, it's just uh, I suffer from, from a disease called high self-esteem. You know, I love me some me. And I encourage all of you to uh, love yourself because that's where it all starts. Sometimes we look for validation from others, and it never comes. And then we drop our head. So staying humble is just a way for me to honor someone I call God. That's a Ricky thing. That's not for everybody, but that's for me. And that's why I say stay humble. So now I cleared the air. Now let's get to the show. Y'all know I like to get my happy on. Everybody know I can't dance, but that's okay. I dance anyway. But I got a guest tonight. This guy right here. He's a happy dude, too. So y'all can maybe start picking on him a little bit instead of just picking on me. Charlie, how you doing, man? Good, Ricky. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, man. I'm so I'm, kind. I'm honored that you were willing to come on because I know you're a busy man, and we're going to get to that, too. But, Charlie, I, I want to start off by asking you a simple question, man. Where did you grow up? So it, it, that is the softball questions of softball. <laughs> that is a softball. I so, want to know where you grew so up. It, it, it's a complicated. It, it's a complicated answer, but simple. Okay. Right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Oh, really? However, my granddad and father both from Puerto Rico. Oh. So Grandpa Colon, um, born and raised in Puerto Rico, baseball player. Okay. Played. Um, Played down there in the 20s. Okay. Came to the States in 1929. Okay. Went to York College, played baseball there, had offers to go play professional baseball. But back in the day, no money in professional baseball in this little thing called the Depression. Absolutely. So ended up going back to New York. Um, moved to New York with Grandma Cologne. Uh, played in vaudeville there. Okay. To make some money. And by that time was bilingual. World War II was coming. Moved back to Puerto Rico. Uh, during World War II, and then subsequently came back uh, right after World War II in 1945, 
and then settled in Lincoln, Nebraska, as he became the dean of admissions at Nebraska Westland. Okay. And um, and my dad and uncle uh, were here. My dad, my dad stayed the entire time, and my uncle ended up moving to Cincinnati. But but deep deep roots in our family uh, relative to Puerto Rico and what that means to us. Most importantly, my granddad was a self-made man. Okay. Um, set all kinds of records playing baseball at York College. But he always said at the end of the day, he would be known for being a kind person. He mm. would be known for how he treated others. He would be known for his family. Man, that... And in the Nebraska Baseball Hall of Fame. What? Okay. As my dad is as well. My dad uh, just, uh, my dad passed in January this year. I'm sorry for you. It's all good. Um, But my dad, to my knowledge, the only guy who's in the Nebraska Baseball Hall of Fame and the Nebraska Softball Association Hall of Fame. Really? I mean, he was a dude. Okay. Okay. Um, and then I was blessed last November to get into the Nebraska Baseball Hall of Fame by huge congrats, by, man. Thank you. I mean, it was literally um, incredibly kind. L- listen, you were a hundred times the athlete I was. Okay. <laughs> I when you get to a certain that. point, man, you're a player and you coach. For, at some point in time, they go, "You've just been around a long time. We're going to give it. We got to go." But but to to stand. And to have my dad be at that ceremony last November. Wow. To see my granddad's name on on that plaque as well. That, pretty big deal. Hey, man, that's – I don't really know what to say to that other than congratulations. Uh, Thank you. Again, sorry for your loss. Uh, Thank you. I understand the feeling. Is, you know, no one can tell you exactly how you feel, True. you know, because people will say, hey, man – uh, I know how you feel. I lost my dad too. Well, yeah, I have lost both parents. But you know what? It affects everyone different. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I I didn't really realize that until it happened to me. Absolutely. You know, because as long as I had my parents and people were losing theirs, I'd be like, man, sorry for your loss, dude. But then I went on with my life because my parents were at home. And then when Absolutely. it happened to me, people were coming up to me, man, sorry for your loss. Man, I know how you feel. Then it, it dawned on me, man. No, you really don't. Absolutely. You really don't. So, growing up here in Lincoln, well, you went to what high school? I was Lincoln Northeast. North- graduated in 1986. Go Rockets. Oh, go Rockets. Okay. <laughs> and then you uh, you chose Nebraska naturally. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. You know, Ricky, growing up, uh, baseball was one of those things that was always very natural to me. But I got to be honest with you. My dad, you know, it was – Dad, do you want to play catch? The answer was always yes. Ah, uh, gotcha. Dad, do you want to shoot hoops in the backyard? The answer is always yes. Dad, do you want to go throw a football? The answer is always yes. Yeah, gotcha. But baseball was always easier for me, right? Just like football. Yeah, There's right, just right. some things that just come naturally, right? Right, right. So, I didn't really like basketball. I'll never forget one conversation I had with my dad. It was between my, I think it was probably my 8th, ninth, 10th grade year, somewhere in there. Is that, oh, sorry, is that for my 10th grade year? Um and dad said to me one day, he goes, hey, do you, do you, I know you're playing three sports, but do you love all three of them? I said, I love football. I love baseball. He goes, what about basketball? I said, I like basketball. <laughs> so He's I like, like. <laughs> that's, that's exactly what he said. Yeah. He said, why don't you spend your time on the things you love? Well, I got you. And it was such a simple conversation, but it was so big. Right. Right. And so I had an, I had a decent sophomore year. 
junior year had a really good year and then you start getting some offers right and back right. in the day you know how we got offers yeah. coaches either showed up to the field yeah or you got a bunch of mail correct okay and then yeah. you'd start taking recruiting visits right so i started getting some some pretty good nibbles pretty good nibbles but when you get that letter from the university of nebraska which coach when coach sanders shows up to a game yeah and you have that conversation much like i'm sure you had with coach Oscar, oh absolutely the fact that that was going to even be an option for me, the answer was going to be yes. Yeah. Right. I, my, I grew up watching you. I grew up going <laughs> to Husker baseball games. Like that was something that always was a goal of mine. And so that list got to be real short when Nebraska came. When Nebraska offered. Now, what position did you play? So recruited as a catcher. Okay. I was a catcher in high school and I was a closer in high school. So okay. I'd close out games. Okay. Um, and then ultimately ended up doing both. So, but Ricky, I'm going to be honest with you. The, the, the catching position for me, and, and my, my dad didn't catch, my granddad didn't catch, my brother was a heck of a good catcher. Mm -hmm. um, I had a little league coach that said, hey, put the gear on one time at practice. I was like, I don't even know what gear means. Like, what are you talking about? <laughs> put the gear on. Like, well, you got to be kidding me. But I'm telling you, I fell in love with it. I fell in love with it because that was the only – there's two things about catching that are fascinating to me. One, you're in on every play. You yeah. can play shortstop and get three balls a game. You can play right, center, left field, yeah. get one or maybe no balls in a game. Right, 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 right. But you're in on every play. The second thing is, is you have the entire field in front of you. Hmm. You can see everything. You can see when your second baseman uh, taking something away from the hole. You can see when your center fielder is playing the gap. And you can see when your pitcher is frustrated or out of alignment. Right, right. So you are literally running the ship. I am fortunate enough right now, I coach at Lincoln Christian um, with a kid that I had coached at a kid. He's a, a man uh, with a family, Jason Bingham uh, at Nebraska Bus Center when I coached there. But my son is also a coach. And the, one of the other coaches is a kid that I – a kid. A, a man that I, <laughs> that I coached back in the day, right? Yeah. But, but I'm telling you, I tell our catchers this all the time. It's such a unique position. You literally have the entire field in front of you. You can establish the pace. You can go out and talk to the pitcher. You can slow things down. You can speed things up. And it's the, one of the reasons I, I love going to a baseball game, right? Well, I'll tell you what. Now, I got to tell you, I loved baseball growing up too, but catching was never on my <laughs> – not <laughs> on your short list. Yeah, no. I mean, I I actually got behind the plate one time, and we had a a guy that his name is Tommy Wilson. He threw so hard, and I was doing good for the first batter, but then on a three and two, the guy tipped the ball and he hit me in the face mask. That was it. Done. Yeah. Yeah. Time out. <laughs> Time out. <laughs> and, and, when, when, and when I when I came out behind the plate, I just started taking all that stuff off. I'm like, man, I'm, I'm never going. I'm not going back there. So the aches and pains, the bumps and bruises, the foul tips. The gear now is so much better than what we had back yes, in the day. But yes. I'm telling you, there was never a game where you didn't catch a foul tip. Where you go down to block a ball and you get a forearm shot, or you get a. I broke my collarbone. I broke my collarbone on a foul tip. Doug Tegmeyer, who pitched at Nebraska, I was playing in an all-star game with him, threw a fastball, I don't know, probably 91 to 93, and a kid foul tipped it and smoked me right in the collarbone. There's still a divot right there. Yeah, see. I that. mean, it's all those little things. I don't know how those major league guys do it. Yeah, well, see, that's why I came out from back there after that first. <laughs> 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 you got to know your limitations. <laughs> Absolutely. You know? 
Now, you said you pitched also? I did. So I pitched in high school. I loved it. I actually, I loved pitching. And I had a, a, a teammate in high school that taught me how to throw a curveball. And it wasn't until I got to college, I didn't throw hard enough to be a power guy, right? Like, I was mm-hmm. a guy that was a dipsy-doo, right? Need to get some run in and out to get guys to hit ground balls. I wasn't a strikeout guy. But I had, I kept that curveball, and when I developed a changeup, then I could be really effective. It's still my favorite pitch today. Like, I love when guys throw changeups, and there's uh, pretty good pitchers in the big leagues by the name of Greg Maddox that yes. kind of perfected that, right? Right, right. But, but I loved pitching, and I think one of the reasons that I loved it so much, and, and, and the best days of my life were playing with my brother. Right, Mick was a catcher. I was a pitcher. I never shook that dude off. He knew exactly what pitch to throw in what location, every count. Wow. One of the smartest baseball and softball guys there is. But there was something about when you understand the catching game, you understand the pitching game. Gotcha. Right? Like, you take a look. I, I love going to watch a game to see where the catcher sets up, to see the pitch that's called in the situation. I have as much fun watching a game on TV as I do in person because you get that that outfield angle and you can see where the catcher's moving. Yeah. I right. love that. And it's a chess game on dirt, right? <laughs> right. I love that. Now, I know for some people, they'd rather watch paint dry than go to a baseball game. Like, it's all, it's all good. But I, th- those, are the, those are the nuances of the game that absolutely trip my trigger. Well, you know, uh, speaking of baseball, and we'll get back, up, we'll get back to you, but I was watching uh, the World Series. And, uh, you know, I saw the game, uh, the first game, where it went down to extra innings. Amazing. Was, yeah, that was pretty – that was a great game. But then I got – I caught just the, the <laughs> end of the, the game today and what a difference a, a day makes. Quick. Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what the final score – 24 to 4. <laughs> most most runs ever scored by a team in the College World Series today. Wow. I mean, cuz I saw him, I saw it, you know, I kept passing by it and seeing, but man, I just didn't after the way they they lost, you know, the night before, I, I just didn't see that. I mean, and LSU jumped up right away 3-1. Yeah. So you thought, "Oh boy, yeah, they got go. they yeah. got it going. They're going to roll." It's the beauty of college. It's it's the beauty of baseball. We, my coach Sanders at Nebraska taught me this this line. He said, nine innings is a long time." Yeah. And I I did not know what that meant as a redshirt freshman. Other than I wasn't playing, I was hungry. <laughs> it was going to be a long time before I get to the training table. Okay. It was a long time, but it's so true. Seven innings is a long time. Mm-hmm. Baseball's broken down into a series of moments. It's not at bats. It's not outs. It's not innings. It is literally pitch by pitch, adjustment by adjustment. Hmm. That gets you to the out. That gets you to the inning. That gets you to the the game. Wow, I never looked at it from that perspective. You know, now when you you played in Nebraska, I know you apparently you had a lot of success. I'm not some down. success. Yeah. I was nowhere near the guy. It, literally everybody that I played with was a better player than I was. That's a fact. Well, see, you remember at the beginning of the show I was saying stay humble? You know, this is what I mean. This guy's <laughs> being humble, man. You're in the Hall of Fame, okay? Trust me, trust me. <laughs> but, no, seriously, uh, after you left Nebraska, what what happened then? So I ended up – so so. got my degree. Okay. Ended up going to Nebraska Westland for one year. That's a whole nother long story. Mm-hmm. But 
would play summer league similar to it, it was like independent ball back in the day right okay. like where you just kind of i wanted to keep the dream alive but the dream was over but they didn't have the salt dogs and some of those other options for you to go try out. right so the dream ends pretty quick back in 1991 right i got you and i jumped right in i had an uh, got an amazing internship and an opportunity with a company called gallup oh okay and ricky i spent 24 years at that company wow and and absolutely loved it okay um lot did a lot of different things traveled internationally for about um 12 13 14 years spent a bunch of time in asia okay. uh, every year anywhere from i mean it started out auckland new zealand sydney singapore bangkok hong kong tokyo beijing shanghai bangalore mumbai, mumbai i mean all over the place wow um super interesting work and i loved it owned a couple of little small side businesses at the time i started a christmas light business which <laughs> let me tell you back before there were led light bulbs my brother and and i jumped into this thing and and we would make people's homes christmas and i'll tell you it was you talk about mission and purpose that was super fun uh-huh um started a little hitting tea business when i was coaching softball at lincoln east and that became too much, honestly, because Facebook we used as a marketing tool. And I woke up one morning and I had put a tee out there that I'd made for Lincoln East. And I had 20, 25 orders from all around the country. Wow. So that was that was great, but it wasn't great. Are you with me? Because <laughs> it was me making the tees. My son and daughter thought they were partners in this thing, but they there was no labor being done in our garage <laughs> late at night. It was all me. But, but then... Um, in 2015, took a right turn. Okay. We're lucky enough to have the opportunity to own a Chick-fil-A out at South Point Pavilions, and we took a right turn in life and have been running at that ever since. So you've been in Chick-fil-A for like eight years now. It's going to be years. eight years this October 28th. Doesn't seem possible. Wow. Man. Man, you've had an interesting life, though. I was just listening to all those places you've had to travel over the 25 years. That was, man. Ricky, I got one for you. What's that? My buddy Matt and I, um, we'd been gone about two, two and a half weeks on this junket through Asia visiting our offices. And my kids were little. Always the hardest part about traveling when you're a parent is you're missing your kids. You miss your spouse. Don't get me wrong. Like, that's, yeah, Of right. course you do. But there's something about hearing that little voice on the other end of the phone. Right, right. And there were always quick calls because it was four bucks a minute back in the day when you were calling <laughs> home. So, hey, how you doing? I'm alive. Good. I'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs> so, and this was before FaceTime and decent internet where you could actually see them, which made it worse. It was more emotional when you'd see them. Right. So Matt and I get to the, we're, we're flying from Bangkok, Thailand, um, to Tokyo, Tokyo home. It's the last kind of leg of our trip. We're sitting in the airport. And I'm telling you, we're gassed. We're tired. Get there about 4, 4.30. We've got a 7 o'clock flight. You check in internationally. It takes a bunch of extra time. And I'm looking at the end of the corridor, and I go, Matt, look at that. Look at that fella clear down there. I said, it looks like he's wearing a Husker jersey. Hmm. And he goes, oh, it sure does. We kind of laugh about it. About three, four minutes, this, this fella's getting closer. He's got a Nebraska football jersey on. Huh. And as he gets closer, he's with this – I mean, it's an entourage of people. I go, hey, man. I go, I'm from there. And he goes, me too. And I said, what do you mean? He goes, I'm from, I'm from Lincoln, Nebraska. I go, hold on. <laughs> hold on a second. 
I go, look at my bag. I had a Husker football bag tag on my rolling backpack thing. Uh-huh. Comes up, gives me a huge hug. I go, what in the world are you doing in Bangkok, Thailand? He goes, I was going to ask you the same question. He's, I said, he goes, what are you guys doing? I said, we're on business. We're on our way home. I said, how about you? He said, my dad was a uh, soldier in Vietnam, and I'm going to meet my mom in Vietnam for the first time. Wow. He had 10 people with him that were actually videotaping the journey. He was going to Vietnam for the first time in his life. Wow. But going to meet his mom for the first time and going to show up in a Husker football jersey. <laughs> it was awesome. We sat and talked. I'm telling you, it's the thing that I love about this place. Yeah. It is a big, small town. We're a big state with amazing mission and purpose about our Husker sports. Right. But it makes the world so small and makes a connectivity like no other on this planet. I totally agree. Hey, listen, we're going to take a quick break. We're going to come right back. Don't you guys go nowhere. It's 93.7. The tickets to get you happy on out. To the Get Your Happy On Hour, featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. Well, we're back. Man, I'll tell you, he shared a lot, a lot of information with us, you know, and I, I'm thankful for that. But Charlie, you know, what I what I really want to focus on is right now is your the coaching aspect because um Coach Osborne, you know, it's well documented that Coach Osborne is a huge influence in my life, and uh, and we had talked a little bit before the show about that. Uh, I'd like to know who's been an influence in your life, coaches-wise. It's an awesome question. So, without question, the best coach I ever had was my dad. Okay, okay. That's taught fair. us the fundamentals, taught us hard work, but I think the most important thing that dad taught us was how to play the game the right way. Mm. So, again, not the best player. But you hit a ground ball to shortstop, run hard all the way through first base. You strike out, tip your hat, go figure out how to hit that curveball the next at bat. Right, okay? right. He just was somebody that had real clarity. I've said this about my granddad and about my dad. They understood very clearly time. He knew that he only had so much time. Right. He knew that playing the sport he loved, he only had so much time to play it. So my dad, when he was playing softball well into his 40s, man, his knees were busted up. He had, honestly, gosh, seven, eight, nine knee surgeries. Dr. Mm. Claire probably built his house from my dad's knee surgeries, right? <laughs> <laughs> but wrapped up, but he didn't care. He loved playing the game, but he always played it the right. He played it hard, yeah. hard, yeah. hard. And so instilled that in us from when we were little. So then you get shipped off to high school, right? And right. I had two incredibly influential coaches in high school. The first one was Bill Story. Bill coach Story. Story, legendary coach at Lincoln High, also at Lincoln Northeast. Coach Story was somebody that taught me hard work, but taught me how to care and coach somebody individually. 
So he knew that he had to get to me through helping me think through a play. But he may need to get after somebody else, and they'd react differently. Right, okay? I got you. So he yeah. was a very dynamic, motivational coach, but cared deeply and uniquely for each player. And Coach Story didn't care if you were a, a rock star or if you were just a scout team guy. Yeah. Treated you with honor, dignity, and respect every practice, every moment. Yeah, And then I get to baseball, so you have some success right out of the way. And I'm playing varsity baseball as a sophomore and totally blown out because I don't know any of the guys. I'm worried I'm stepping on toes and whatever. And Bill Fegler at Lincoln Northeast completely took me under his wing and said, hey, you're supposed to be here. Gotcha. It's okay. Gotcha. It's okay. Do your thing. Yeah. You'll figure it out, but you're going to help us win. You're going to get better as a player. You're going to have some bumps in the road as the speed of the game is different. But it's okay to make mistakes. Right. And that statement right there for me, I'll never forget. We played Omaha Northwest, the very first game I ever played, and a future Hall of Famer, Greg Olson, the all-time closer closer for the Baltimore Orioles, a high school All-American. His dad was an amazing influence on me as well. We faced Greg Olson and a guy by the name of Clark Preble. And I was hitting in the two-hole my sophomore year. And we're playing on a cold day. I never blocked so many balls in the dirt in my entire life. But I'm going to tell you <laughs> what, I went 0 for 4. Okay. 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 And, and I came back to the dugout having never seen a high 80s fastball. And one of the guys in the dugout goes, hey, man, where was it? And I go, I don't know. It sounded low. <laughs> I, mean, I didn't even see the thing out of this dude's hand so fast forward to the next summer we're playing omaha northwest again and greg greg olson's pitching and you talk about lightning in a bottle man point being not to get off topic yeah right? i got coach you. fegler just continually poured into me then you get to college and coach sanders was the first coach at that level that really took baseball to an extreme level. You know, our assistant coach had played with the Cubs. Coach Sanders, had, had he'd been to AAA with the Royals. Like, his manager was Whitey Herzog in, in minor league baseball, the Hall of Fame manager. Like, he could break down the game of baseball. My freshman redshirt year, the second, third, fourth practice were out there as a catcher. He goes, okay, guys, first and second, we're on the road. Right-handed hitter up, speed at second. Guy's going to lay down a bunt. What's the call? I'm totally blown up. <laughs> I'm like, man, this isn't high school anymore. Yeah, right. Right? Yeah. But Coach Sanders taught us the game so well. And he was a true student of the game. So when I think back to all of the coaches, and then, and then I had the opportunity to coach with a guy named Rich Russo at Nebraska Wesleyan. They gave me a chance to coach in college for, for six, seven years. And I watched Rich be so precise in his practice plans and I watched him care so deeply for his players. But what I noticed about Rich that I still take with me today is Rich was the head coach, but he allowed his assistant coaches to coach. Uh, gotcha. He allowed us to coach. So I was responsible for hitters and catchers. He stayed out of the way. Hmm. Now, Rich would pour in when he had something to say. He's the head coach. It's like the CEO of an organization. Like, right. it's your company. Like, have at it. But he always gave us that room to just own those relationships. He always gave us that room to add in something or make a suggestion. It wasn't just his show. It was our show. And I have immense respect for all of those men that taught me so much different variations of what coaching is today. So that today as a coach, the reason I still coach today is because of all of those guys. 
Gotcha. I want to love on our players. I want to get after them hard. I want them to teach them to play the game the right way. But what I really want, Ricky, is I want them to love the game of baseball in the same way that I love it at my age of 54 today. Gotcha. Gotcha. Man, that's, that, that's amazing, man. I, 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 I really admire the fact that that love for the game still still with you. You know, Absolutely. Yeah. And I get to coach with my son now, oh. right? I mean, that's amazing. I got to coach my daughter when she was in high school. I coached varsity softball at Lincoln East. Wow. And to be able to, to – which I love, fast-pitch softball, unbelievable sport. And how about those Huskers? Oh, absolutely. Right? Holy smokes. Yeah. Um, but to be with your kids as well and watch them enjoy the game – my daughter right now could go be a college softball coach. Hmm. I'm not kidding. Like, that's not her path right now. Yeah. But it might be someday. She knows the game. My son's coaching at Lincoln Christian, knows the game. Not because of me. They've been around the game well, but my daddy poured into them. Right? <laughs> like, my dad taught that game Say, to Grandpa him. was at, was at he work. Was right there. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? I, I'll say this, though. I mean, when you're passionate about something, it always comes full circle. You know what I mean? Absolutely. And that's what, that's what I'm hearing. I mean, it's it's been passed down, passed down, passed down. Absolutely, and, and the love is still there, and even in your kids. So absolutely, that that's kind of special, man. I mean, and, and it go, it's no different than, and and that's one of the. I still tell people today. I say, I'm a baseball player. I just happen to sell chicken. Yeah, right. Like it's real simple. <laughs> like when you have passion for something, correct. Everything tends to line up. I agree. Energy, focus, mission, purpose clarity like i love going to the store every day grinding with my team yeah are there hard days big days absolutely heck we got a 77 foot semi mobile kitchen that we're bringing up yeah tell us about that august 30th there's a there's a there's something going on downtown volleyball right yeah and the university of nebraska gave us the okay to say hey bring that mobile kitchen up and we're going to try to sell a bucket load of chicken sandwiches. That big old, literally a mobile kitchen. We're going to park right outside of South Stadium. And we're running sandwiches into the concession stands. First time we've ever been inside a Memorial Stadium. And for this guy who's grown up on Husker Athletics and is still bleeding red red and white, it's a big deal for me. And this is going to be for that volleyball game. Is it that is. correct? It is. Absolutely. We sell outside of Gate 22 for football games in our, in our serve-only Chick-fil-A trailer and have for the last seven years. Yeah little bit different setup that day, right? When you've got two volleyball games that day back-to-back on a Wednesday. Yeah, that's just going to be a huge event, Unbelievable. period. Unbelievable. You know, because, I mean, I'll, I'll, they've never did that before in the, the stadium. The only thing that's as close to that, and I mean this seriously, with the planning sessions I have with our directors and leaders, the only thing that's close, it will be like the Garth Brooks concert. I got you. Right, like it'll be as big as a Husker football game for sure based on people, but now you've got two games and an extended period of time, and it's on a Wednesday, so parking's going to be a challenge. And I firmly believe you're going to have people rolling into to downtown Lincoln by 11, 1130, because yeah. they want to get the, they, well, they want to get their parking, but they just want to see what this thing's all about. Coach Cook, Trev Alberts, the, the respect that I have for Coach Cook as a coach. Like yes. I interviewed him when I was doing my MBA 20 years ago unbelievable coach oh absolutely but the thought about putting this thing together to showcase not only our program but women's volleyball across the planet and to break the record let's go yeah let's break, yeah, let's yeah, break the yeah, record break the and record. get a dub yeah oh uh, we're gonna get the dub <laughs> <laughs> but it is it is it is fantastically awesome 
it's right where we need to be. There is so much good stuff happening down there right now. I mean, there's been a lot of good things happening, you guys. I've lived in this place a long time. But the level of energy and enthusiasm across the board, women's softball, Husker baseball, Husker football, volleyball, like we got a lot going on. And you know what? That volleyball program has always stood pretty good on its own. Absolutely it has. Yeah. I mean, I've I've seen Nebraska football fall a little bit, but that volleyball program was always maintained. They, they, it's the one thing that I think, whether it's business or life or sports, if you are consistently consistent, yes, that's what I that's what I get excited about. It's yeah. like when you show up at Chick Fil A. Yeah, I want to have a consistent experience. Are we going to make some mistakes? Sure, we're human. Right, right. right. Let's fix them quick and get back on. But you know the funny thing is when you mention that, you know, sometimes I pop in to your your store just to. Just see if I can catch you. And and I always ask one of your employees, I'd be like, hey, is Charlie around? Oh, yeah, he's, let me go get him. And I'm like, this dude, he working harder than his employee. <laughs> but you know what, though? But what that tells me is you're leading by example. I, I, I love it. Those, yeah. those folks that I work with every day, and I've said this for eight years, inspire and care for me as much, if not more, I than I do back to them, right? They are good people. And this is the thing that makes me crazy, Ricky. People always say, oh, where do you find these people? Those employees are unbelievable. I said, hold on a second. There's good people everywhere in this world. Absolutely. You watch the news. You get on Twitter. Yeah. You'll get, you'll get clouded by the noise. Right. But, and specifically in our town and our state, there are good people all over. And so when my dad passed, I'll never forget, it was probably... It was probably the second or third day, and I just I needed to go to the store to to check on them. There, I, I'm not kidding you. From the time I walked in the front door until I got back to the drive-through cockpit, I probably had ten hugs. Yeah. Now you wouldn't think that's a big deal, right? But it's a big deal. Oh, it is a big. You deal. have people caring for you like that. You have right. people authentically saying, "Hey, I know you're hurting. I know yeah. you're hurt. We're right here with you. We got it. Yeah. We got it. Right. I don't discount that you find that in other businesses as well." my just just my what stands out to me was obviously it was my business but but the relationship that i have with those guys um they're they're amazing people and they're really trying to do good stuff they're trying to not only make awesome food they're trying to make sure that we're have a super fast drive-through right but we want to make sure we care for each other first and foremost well one thing that stands out to me is the customer service Right on. Yeah, those, you know, they're very... Uh, it's ma- our pleasure. It's, it's our, our ple- pleasure. Yeah, it's our pleasure. Yeah, I hear that a lot. Absolutely. And I, you know what? That's a very good slogan, too. Absolutely. When you can serve somebody else, when you literally are helping, right, you're serving somebody else, you're loving on them, it truly is a pleasure to fill somebody's heart Man. in the moment. Hey, we're going to take another break, and we'll be right back. Please don't go anywhere. To the Get Your Happy On Hour, featuring former Husker receiver Ricky Simmons. Well, we're back. Look like we got a message for you, Charlie. Uh, I hope I say this right. Rep City Girl wants to know. Uh, 
Here we go. She said, ask Charlie. What'd she say? Who is the main rivalry in the Big Eight? Mm. And she seems to think that Oklahoma State was was one of your. They were right there. So Oklahoma State back in the day. So I, I took one of my first recruiting trips down there, uh, down to the university was when Robin Ventura, Pete Incavilia, all of those guys were playing. They were they were salty. Okay. Okay. But let's just let's let's be real clear. Okay. okay. The rivalry was Creighton. <laughs> <laughs> Creighton. Let, yeah. let, let's go. Let's go. Right. You you and we we would play UNO. UNO's done an incredible job with their baseball program, but we would play Creighton two, three times a year, and that was always – of course you wanted to win the Big Eight. Of course Okie State was was the team. Um, Missouri was good back in the day. Oklahoma was good back in the day. But but we always had to beat Creighton. Well, let me ask this then. Why was it – I mean, other than you were 50 miles apart, what, why, what was the big deal between y'all and Creighton? I mean, Nebraska and Creighton, just explain that to me. I mean, what made it such a rivalry? It's the same as it is today, right? It's a big state and two big programs, right? Okay. And you want to be on top of the heap. You want yeah. bragging rights. Right, right. You want bragging yeah. rights. It, yeah. It's a it's a healthy rivalry. But back in the day, that that was – and, you know, so many of those guys that played at Creighton, we knew. So we played oh, in yeah, high school yeah. against yeah. – the 1991 team made it to the College World Series – um, we had a little skirmish with them in 1990, which we'll talk about that, that off air, right? A little bean, <laughs> little bean, bean ball war at Buck Belzer, my guy, Jeff stick and, and a few others, um, involved, but, um, but yeah, it was it, a very healthy rivalry on a whole bunch of fronts. Gotcha. So yeah. basically you guys wanted bragging rights Absolutely. at the end of the day. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I can I can agree with that. I understand that because football's been different, though, right? Yeah, right. Because we didn't have it, this is this yeah. is this. You're you. you yeah. You guys have the whole state. Right. Back back in the day, that wasn't the case. <laughs> it was not the case with no, Creighton I, and baseball. Yeah, I think my rivalries were Oklahoma. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, every time we played Oklahoma, I mean, it was usually for the conference championship. Yep. And the winner was always going to the Orange Bowl. And you're right. The bragging rights are very important because uh, twice a year I go to Tulsa to play in those golf tournaments and it's former Huskies and former Sooners. <laughs> and, uh, boy, you should hear some of the stories. I so can imagine. I, oh, man. I mean, Marcus Dupree and Billy Sims, those guys are they, – they got great memories. I bet they do. Yeah, yeah. And they'll let you know every play that they did something special to Nebraska. But, you know, I always get the last laugh because I always tell them, I say, you know what, man, uh, I really don't have any hard feelings about Oklahoma because uh, thanks to y'all, man, my last three years, I, I went to three straight Orange Bowls. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm very appreciative of Oklahoma. <laughs> I'm real appreciative of Oklahoma. But, no, I got some of my best friends are now sooner. So do you guys get along with any of the, the, the crazy yeah, you, you know, it's it's not unlike – any other sport, when you get done playing, there's an intense respect for what you just went through. Right. I mean, still today, some of my very best friends are my teammates. Yeah. Right. I'm talking to Chad Otto and and uh, Greg Thorell's daughter Emma is blowing me up on my text, and mm -hmm. Billy Vosick and Todd Kerr and Brad Edgington and all these guys that Rocky Johnson. You can run down the list of all these guys, right? That you right. played with. Or, right. But there is something unique. I literally sat in my restaurant two weeks ago with some 
freshman Husker football players that all came in to eat and hang out. I'm always curious. Yeah. You see them wearing their gear. I want to, I want to make sure they're, I, I, I want to know their story. Right. Right. And I also want to let them know I'm a former Husker. Absolutely. Right? So, absolutely. So my point was, is what they are going through mm-hmm. is not, it, it's incredibly unique. It's incredibly special. I mean, you spend so much time together. Right. Film, class, training room, on the bus, on the plane. I mean, I got to go to Hawaii twice to play in the Rainbow Classic, 1980 and 1990. Ricky, we were gone for 10 days back in the day. That's a lot of time to be with your guys. Right. Right? You build these relationships. You know they're kids. But most importantly, you know the grind. Yeah. You know what it took, right? When you were busted up or you weren't feeling well or mm-hmm. your arm was hurt. And it's Coach Sanders. The th- I had pitched against Okie State on a Friday night in 1990, came in in relief in on Saturday, and I was dragging. And I got to the training room early Sunday morning, and he goes, hey, I need to see you in my office. And I was throwing curveballs and change-ups, pick, pitching backwards, right? Throwing fastballs and off-speed counts and off-speed and fastball counts. And he goes, hey, can you go today? <laughs> right? and I mean, I'm, I am hanging. And, and the answer was absolutely. Oh, yeah. Right, absolutely. Not yeah. even a question, right? Yeah. If, I yeah. can, if I'm suiting up, I am available. Right. But it was the same for the other 30, 32, 35 guys in that locker room. Yeah. So very, we're all very different people. But one common goal, one common enemy, right, every single day. But the grind, I've always said that the, the games – were the icing on the cake, the practices, the time at the training table, the time hanging out at somebody's apartment. Right. That's what builds. That's what builds the framework of the team. You know, I was thinking about that, like when we were together last. Uh, I think it was that uh, Larry the Cable guys. Uh, yes, we went, were. Man, that was a great time. We was at the hotel listening to all those stories from some of those former great players. Amazing. Man. Hey, I gotta say thank you. First of all, for coming on, man. My pleasure. You've done Appreciate a great job. So Happy thanks. birthday to my mom, Ricky. 81 years young. Happy but- birthday, mom. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Hey, you guys, we got to go. But I'll tell you what, next Sunday night, we'll be right back. So please come back to see us. This is the Get Your Happy Yo Hour. <laughs> I love to be happy, y'all. Y'all have a great evening.